there are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. C go away. Go I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I am your host, Cat Ward. As always, you can find me on Podbean and YouTube, as well as New Lantern Media, Amazon Podcasts, and any place you find fine podcasts. This episode shout-out goes to my wonderful listeners in the Ukraine. I appreciate you listening, and I hope you're all well and staying safe. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I have a great episode for you tonight. My guest has had a few encounters, which includes seeing apparitions, sensing dead bodies, and so much more. So let's jump into it. I introduce to you, Christy. Hello, Christy. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hi, Kat. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for being here. Let's hope we have some better luck this time. Got my selenite tower. Awesome. Folks, uh, just for you listening, I wanted to just mention that uh, Christy and I spoke for, what, 20, 30 minutes last time, and then as soon as I pushed record, we started having technical difficulties. So uh, uh, audio went, and then the video went, and then I lost everything, and then couldn't get back into Skype. Oh, man, it was it was weird. So uh, the, following, the following morning, yep. I had tried to retrieve it from the uh, SoundCloud, oh, and really? I had no luck retrieving it. Wow, strange. Even Very strange, even though I had been recording. Yeah, weird, yeah. So uh, I suggested she get some selenite, and uh, so here we are. We're going to give it a try. <laughs> So tell us about, you You have some really, really interesting encounters, and I'm really happy that you're, you've braved 
to, you know, to, to, I'm just honored that you wanted to share your stories with me and, and the listeners. I really appreciate it. Well, Kat, I feel comfortable with you and I've enjoyed your platform since I discovered it. Thank you. And you and your paranormal community have given me strength to sort of look at this and uh, recognize it because I I'd spent my life just pushing it to side and not wanting to hear or see or feel anything that's not physically right in front of me. Mm-hmm. I understand. So uh, I, I had started to share my most recent experience with Kat. And then um, I actually have two experiences that have really affected me physically since uh, 2007, 2008. So in 2007, I had gone through a divorce and in 2008, I remarried and my husband and I were in a motorcycle accident. Mm which uh, it was nothing but going around a curve and the bike laying down. That, that was it. That's all that happened. My husband got up and walked away. Uh, he, he did have like maybe a scrape on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And well, I was knocked unconscious and laid on the side of the road and not realizing we had been in an accident how i found out i (laughs) my body was laying on the side of the road is i i was actually above my body uh, like hovering and floating about, it, it was quite a ways. It, I would say a good 25 feet. So I was high enough that I got peripheral of the of the road and the fields on each side of the road. And the colors, the colors were amazing and beautiful. And I, I, I was warm. And I was with people that I knew that loved me and I loved them. And I don't think I quite understood why I was with them. I was happy to be with them. I was having these colors. But once I noticed my body and then, oh, also I saw an ambulance and my parents, um, cause we were just a mile or so from my parents' house mm-hmm. when it happened. So uh, looking down and seeing that, uh, I think they were taken, my helmet had gotten taken off. Um, I, I just looked down and was like, oh my goodness, why, I gotta go. And boom, I woke up 
I stood up, I refused medical treatment, and I hopped in with my parents. Went home with my parents. My stepmom cleaned me up, let me go to bed in the back bedroom. And I woke up and I couldn't move. So call an ambulance. So the ambulance, I remember them coming in and I remember not wanting to go, but I also remember that I was in pain Mm -hmm. and that, yes, this is real. You need help. So they, I I remember being taken out of the house and then um, it was almost like, okay, good. Somebody's going to help me. I can check out. And I, in, in my mind was, was not in my body that the pain was um, sickening. And, oh, I still had like sand and grit in my teeth, I think, like from the accident, maybe from my helmet being taken off and like laying on the side of the road sort yeah. of thing. Uh, and I just, I, I just sort of just checked out and, and I just left it to be whatever happens is going to happen. And when I checked out, I spiritually was in the hands of God and was given so much love and beloved is bigger than you know how good it feels to come home from vacation that feeling like oh i'm home Mm -hmm. it's that times a thousand ever loving all loving just so immense i was being held and given this healing love and sort of like a a pep talk from all my loved ones that were surrounding me and just giving me lots of love and healing. And the next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital and my dad's crying. And of course, well, that was a big deal. When have you ever seen a dad cry? Yeah. Well, they had told them that I would, you know, never walk again. And they had told my family a a lot of horrible things that don't expect much. Wow. Pretty, pretty much. So when I came to and, and, you know, saw my father so upset I was sad that I made him feel that way and I was a little bit sad to be out of the hands of God like Mm -hmm. of where I was so safe and protected and that this was real and I deal with it so 
I made it through all that really great. And I had a couple surgeries, a long hospital stay. Oh, and also, um, the, my, my right leg and ankle, I broke that too. And, um, I had a couple rods put in my back and some screws and (laughs) stuff like that. They fixed me up really good. So how did you make it when you originally refused to go with the ambulance and you went home? Like how? Exactly. That's amazing. I was walking. My, my, um, the, I was wearing a backpack and they think, and the backpack had a big bottle of ibuprofen in it and just Mm. think maybe that pushed through the back of my spine and Mm. pushed everything like into my chest. Mm. And, uh, so it, I have a couple crushed discs and, um, I forget what animal it is that they use for those discs or whatnot, but I was pretty determined by the look on my dad's face, how hurt he was. Mm. And when I heard everything, it was like, nope, (laughs) everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I just knew it was going to take work, Mm -hmm. but I would, I was delivered from the hands of God. I knew, Dad, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be all right. And um, I have no idea how I ever walked and got around to do what I did. And I guess I was just really determined that, nope, I'm okay because I'm a big denier. Mm -hmm. I want everything to be okay. I want everything to be positive and good. I do not like recognizing anything negative or bad. I will not give it my time or my energy. It's just the way what I was taught. And to me, no, I'm not her. I'm fine. Yep. You must have been been in shock. Maybe that's why you're able to just go home afterwards yes yes i'm not going in the ambulance i'm i'm yeah. gonna hop in dad's truck here and yeah I'm have gonna... a nice night <laughs> wow that's just amazing uh, yeah i was definitely uh helped out and i think given quite the pep talk from the other side to sort of switch up my life and what are you doing and uh get get yourself together and um my sister when she visited me in the hospital took me outside and told me that she had been to a reading and was told that i see you pushing this blonde girl in a wheelchair well my sister thought something was going to happen to her friend who had blonde hair and then the day that she was visiting me, taking me out of the hospital for a little stroll, fresh air, mm-hmm. that when she told me and she realized it was me wow. that her psychic had been talking about. Hmm. So I, I it caused a, a lot of her. I heard a lot of people. And I'm glad I was able to come back. So 
that gave me the strength up until I mean nothing it, it wasn't easy but I'm I'm alive and I'm thankful and I love God and I'm definitely not afraid of dying mm-hmm. because it's all good yeah <laughs> so in 2013 is um when I lost my father my father passed away oh, I'm sorry to hear then that. thank you it was really tough time because he had me get my business in order and wanted me to finish up my bankruptcy from all my medical bills Mm -hmm. from 2008 from the motorcycle accident so uh he had really pushed me get your get your stuff in order and okay so i was going through that he got sick he passed i went through the bankruptcy the next month we move and through the whole i would say eight weeks I put on a good 20 to 30 pounds Wow! and was feeling empty. That's a lot in a short, short amount of time. I ate whatever I wanted to eat. There was a lot of food at the house with dad being sick, mm-hmm. uh, candy, soda, fried food, baked good, whatever I wanted to eat. I was mm-hmm. eating. Hmm. And there was just a lot of time with family that you're not physically active. So I I was really kind of beat down. And when we moved, I, I was having a hard time being where I was. And I was just really worn out. And I decided that I needed to take better care of myself. So I started, start, jump started with a fresh diet, which is where you eat all raw foods for, I believe, four days to cleanse your body. Mm-hmm. And then because it was winter, I used indoor DVDs to work out and get in shape and dropped my weight. The house that we moved into had a beautiful back deck that went the length. And it's surrounded by pine trees. And I was looking forward to the spring and the summer, sitting out there reading a book there were also in in the garage when we moved in there were bicycles and i was going to also start bike riding and getting my physical activity outdoors i was excited about it so i guess it started when i would ride cuz i would ride one way or the other to work my husband's work and and my oh i should also mention 
that when we were moving in, I kept seeing what I thought was a couple of people. And I'd ask my husband, you know, oh, is somebody coming back for the things left in the garage or is, are we expecting somebody? Mm -hmm. Said, no, nobody's coming. He joined the service. He said we could have whatever we want or okay. And also uh, my father-in-law lived across the street. So I would think it was him and well, I, I guess they were, they're just, uh, I don't know. My coworker said that they they were probably ghosts and they joked around that I moved to someplace haunted. And I didn't, of course, want to give that any entertainment. Yeah. So, nope. I, I just keep catching. Outside? Did you only see them outside of the house or inside too? Only outside. Hmm. I, is where I saw them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wouldn't know that it was something weird or paranormal till after. Mm -hmm. Because where did that person go? What did they want? Why were they here? Who's watching me? I, I didn't know what it was. So, okay. So then also, uh, this, this is kind of a taboo thing that people don't like to talk about, but there's, there's been hangings and suicides in the area for a while. Mm. And in the articles that I read about suicide, these victims are described as being despondent it seems to be the common word that is used when, hmm. when people have taken their lives by hanging in that area. And we know of several in our lifetime in this small area. And, and then researching, I found a lot more that were before my time. Hmm. So I, I guess they're called ghosts mm -hmm. <laughs> when, when, when you see them and then they're not really there. So I was really looking forward like? to this springtime. Sorry, just to interrupt here for a second. Do you remember what they look like? What, how they were dressed or anything? Yep. Yep. Can uh, you describe yep. that? So, uh, blue jeans, flannel shirt, a uh, good size guy. He's going to work in the yard. He's, hmm. he, he's just a man about town, the little town that we were. He yeah. just looked like every other guy. That's why... I, I didn't think really that it was a spirit or a ghost because it looks like a person. And the after being there for, we were there for two years. After being there for two years, 
there 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 was one that I I did recognize that was a relative. Oh, really? Yep. And I could also tell by the feeling that I got that I it was non-threatening and protective. Was it outside of your house again? I was What's that? That relative was did you see them outside of your house? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because I like to be outside if it's nice outside. Yeah. So I was outside a lot. But in so now we're in spring of 2014. I've lost the weight. I got my body in good physical condition. Good I'm going to start riding my bike. I'm going to sit outside and read. Mm-hmm. Well, I started having some missing time hmm. that I didn't know if if when you're physically active, you're in a zone. Mm-hmm. And if you're just able to do something physically, but be somewhere else mentally. But that was a little weird. Like all of a sudden I would, I believe it was like a five to seven mile bike ride that I would have. And I would start, I don't know, maybe missing a mile or two miles. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like one of those car rides that you take and you're talking to somebody and, oh, look it, we're here now. Yeah. Like that sort of feeling. It was just gone. It was just like, wow, how did I, I don't remember going down that road. Yeah. So I thought that was a little strange. I never shared that with anybody. I, oh. Well, I just shared it with you guys. Yeah. But thank you. It, I thought that was a little odd. But I, I put that at who knows what our minds are capable of. Mm-hmm. So then I would get my book. And I have books that take longer to read. And then I have the guilty pleasure books that you can read in a day or two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get through a chapter, a page of a guilty pleasure book. I would fall asleep. Hmm. And then the next day, okay, I'm going to read my book. Well, I'd have to start off at the same place I was at yesterday. So that was weird. And that never happened before. So no, never happened before. But things were getting very hard for me. Oh, and I left out my scariest experience here. Hmm. Here I'm telling you a story and I didn't even tell you about I worked I went right to the springtime and I avoided the scariest thing that ever happened to me there okay okay it's the end of the holiday season the husband and i are trying to pack things up i'm sort of controlling how things get packed and stored away 
and probably being a lot bossy. So we weren't getting along. We were really bickering. And I probably, okay, I said something mean, like, you know, I really don't need your help. You can just leave. I probably said something nasty like that to him. And he did. He left. And I'm, okay, I can do this. I can pack up holiday decorations and get the tote out to the porch and then out to the garage. I got this. No problem. And I'm doing it, and and, and I'm more, be, because of my previous back issues, I do have to be careful of weight limit, how I lift. Mm-hmm. So my husband, he, he pretty much, he does everything. So, but I was going to do this. So I got my holiday decorations, and I'm taking them. And I'm taking them in the garage. And I got to go up on a step stool just to get them up on the shelf. That's all all I'm going to do was a step stool or a chair. I wasn't too high up in the air, but I was going to do it. And I get up there and I get the toad up. And all of a sudden, right in my ear, I get yelled at. And I don't know how our sound is in here, but it was somebody yelling really loud in my ear, hey. And it startled me. And I thought it was my husband. Maybe he snuck up on me. Maybe he parked the truck over at dad's house and walked home because there was no, I didn't hear his truck. So I hopped down. I spun around. There's nobody there. I go out and look because it is snowing. So there would be tracks. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to find out who just yelled at me. There's no tracks. There's there's no vehicle. Mm -hmm. It is dead, silent snowing. And that's all that's going on. And somebody just yelled in my ear in this garage. Did you recognize the voice? I I didn't, but it was a yell. And I really don't know anybody who does yell. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's almost like somebody trying to get your attention or somebody to startle you and think it's funny. That's almost like when you jump out at somebody and go, hey. Yeah. It's almost like that. Like maybe it was a trick. Like, oh, really? You want to startle me while I'm standing up here? Yeah. So other tricky things. But that was really scary. So I, I am now realizing that there's absolutely nobody around. I went in and I ended up getting my dog on her lead and bringing her out and having her sit right by me so I could finish with this. 
Can I now, ask first, what, do you, was I, it a man's voice or a woman's voice? Do you remember? Man. Man, okay. And there were other things that happened to me in the garage in the early morning hours, like 5 a.m. hours, when it's dark out, when there's there, there's no noise outside at 5 a.m., really. Mm -hmm. There's not. But I had uh, my first vehicle when I was there, the, um, the car door would open up. After I got in it and closed it and buckled, my car door, I've had that pop open. I've had my radio turn on. I've had when I open the garage door and then turn around to go into the car, someone in the back seat real quick, just enough to scare you sort of thing, yep. because it could be a real person because there is a place in town that is a like a, a shelter for homeless men. Mm -hmm. So you do have to keep your guard. It's winter time. Maybe somebody does need shelter. They could go in your garage. They could go in your car. It could have been a real person, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. So I felt like I was getting really har harassed and picked on at the beginning of every day at five o'clock in the morning while I was up there. So then in the spring is when I started having some sort of neurological symptoms. And I wanted to finally move back down to Connecticut to be close to my kids because it had been five years that I had since the accident. Mm -hmm. I was I was ready to move on and get out of town and i i was feeling a little bit stuck i guess and i started having all these and i was started and i i was making plans and talking about leaving the area when i started having all of these neurological symptoms that i went to the doctor for in april and because I had had a lot of medical bills, I had stopped going to the doctors at the end of 2008. And I had been taking care of myself. At one point, I was working at the hotel and at the grocery store. I, I had been doing real good. And then uh, I, I was also I started when I would write some of my letters would come become backwards. So I had all these really strange symptoms. Well, one morning when I got up, it, the coffee maker and the kitchen window looked right out at the garage in the backyard. So this one morning, I am pouring coffee and really the the last clear memory I have is looking out the window 
pouring my coffee. And I couldn't, I couldn't pour my coffee. So I was like, all right, forget it. I just couldn't get it together. So I just left the house and went to work and had an episode of vertigo, which if you've never had vertigo, it's like being put on a carnival ride that never shuts off. So just spinning. You are just spinning. Excuse me. It's accompanied with a pain in your head. And it ends after you're able to pass out. And you're also getting uh, physically sick during oh, wow. this. It takes, from the severe violent episodes, it takes about three days to recover from. After every, a, a, after the episode, I got taken out of work by ambulance. I never got released to go back to work. I, I, I was diagnosed. I have some inner ear damage. Was that from the accident? It, it is from my disability, Meniere's disease. Uh, it it affects the inner ear and I'm not really sure, like unknown origin, like it, you can point the finger at like an infection, a toothache, a hit to the head, a concussion. So we don't know, but I was just really surprised at how quick once spring came, how my health never really picked up. Mm -hmm. and oh d during the winter I, I got so annoyed with the garage and so scared that I, I stopped using the garage and I just like parked the car by the stairs mm -hmm. for the back deck so I didn't even have to like really set foot on on the on the ground and I would also just ask my dad real quick if he could walk me out and just ride with me to work and make sure I didn't see or hear anything to scare me. Yeah. So after I got taken out of work and, and diagnosed, I just continued to go downhill and downhill and ended up being underweight because when you're sick you don't eat mm -hmm. i used a walker and i was in a transport chair and i was in worse shape in 2014 and 2015 than i was for my 2008 motorcycle accident wow was this all from the accident that just kind of happened later on it's it it could could be mm -hmm. it, it could be they they don't know a lot about it and the doctor that i was seeing up there okay so things had gotten really intense between my husband and i so he was i there were so many doctors and stuff like that 
ended up the sur- the surgeon wanted to do this deconstructive surgery where they take your middle ear out of your head. It's called a labyrinthectomy. Wow, I've never heard of that. Crazy. So I ended up finding a place to get help down in the Albany capital region at an institute with a great team. And I had asked the the surgeon that I had in central New York for an injection I had read about online. And oh, that's like using a garden hose to put out a house fire. <laughs> So you're not even going to try it? You just want to perform your little brain surgery you're talking about? Yeah. Crazy. So we we left in 2015 because I also, I needed this injection and I needed to go through vestibular rehab. And then also when I went to several neurologists, and then back doctors found out my neck had been broke and one of the rods in my back had gotten broke. Huh. Yeah. So the only thing I can think of is during maybe one of these uh, severe violent episodes of vertigo that I was suffering, Mm -hmm. maybe something happened. Yeah, You think you... Because I was having trouble doing so some of these exercises and things that I was doing. But here we are now, and I've got medical bills again. But you know what? I can walk. And I went through the therapy and everything. But this summer, we had to go back up home for a family emergency. And that's when I got really more scared because it's easy to put out of your mind if you're not there and you're not being affected by the experiences, but your loved ones and family are still there. And I don't know what it is and I don't know what's in the area but it's, I feel as though I've suffered physical bodily harm from whatever is there. And that's why I reached out for you and you gave me some great things to do for when I did have to go back up there again. But I did a lot of research into the area and there's definitely something to all my weirdness and strangeness. And I can't be the only one I, I know a lot of families have had personal loss. Now, Kat, I, I forgot to mention that while I was uh, it, in the hospital with the Meniere's disease, mm-hmm. my brother was also in the hospital fighting leukemia. Oh, wow. It's not the first time my brother and I had been suffered and were suffering physically at the same time. When we were ages one and two, our dad's motorcycle fell on us when we, and 
my brother ended up in a leg cast and I had to have a uh, surgery and stay in the hospital in traction. Oh my. And come home in a cast as a baby. My mother said that's the hardest thing is is leaving your baby in the hospital oh, crying for you. Because I was old enough to know you're oh. leaving me, you're going home. Take me with you. Mm. So that's why I feel I, I've lived, I counted, I've lived in seven different states. And I've never had bodily harm done to me as much as I've had in this small town that doesn't even have a traffic light. The, the, there's a lot of tragedies. So this sort of has led me to what do I need to do in the future to make sure my family is safe and I want to be able to like go and enjoy that land and that family. But I really feel like a healing or cleansing. There's a lot of negative drawn to that area. Mm, yes. I, I wonder how far back that goes. It, it goes I, I, I trace my family back to 1853. Well, 1840 on paper in newspaper articles, historic newspaper articles, 1853. I found out my great grandfather broke his leg, his same leg twice, and had to have a wooden leg. Wow. So I sort of related to his suffering because I've heard about the cranky crack, cranky stories. And and then once I read this in the newspaper, well, no wonder the wheel fell off his wagon while he was transporting a load of wood. Hmm. And this happened to him as a teenager. So I can sort of relate to your same leg being busted twice in one lifetime, but thankful for me, they have surgery and traction. You don't have a wooden leg. <laughs> and then I was speaking with one brother, and he's, he says, we don't have the longevity gene because I was able to track down two women that lived a good long life. One is our great aunt and one is our great grandmother. And other than that, there's not the longevity gene. We lost our biological mom when she was in her forties. Oh, wow. That's really young. Yeah. And it's just, nothing's easy. It's like oppressed, like just, Anything to make it harder. I Oh, I forgot to tell you that when I moved into that house, my car, my first car literally fell apart. Like when I got out the car, is that a ball bearing rolling on the road from the car? Are you kidding me? Had you had any, then, uh, any mechanical work done to the car or anything? My, my husband does that. Mm-hmm. My husband does that. My father-in-law has the garage and yeah. they do that. But no, this was just, 
But also the winters are rough on vehicles up there. But the second car would just stop running in the middle of nowhere. Wow. So he, yeah, I've had to call him. I, I would have to call him from work once and he just bumped me and pushed me all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying so, too that you've, uh, you seem to have the ability, ability to um, interfere with elect- electrical things or electronics as well. Yeah, I I was sort of reminded of that with you and I the other night. And while reading the historical newspapers, oh, 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 from one of my experiences, the same summer that I had an experience I, that I was 11 years old that really stuck with me, that's also up in that area. I I was the second time I had been in a room when a fire started. An electrical fire? This one was electrical, Mm -hmm. yes. So, and that was, I I found that in the papers. So I I put it, it was the same year. It's like, what happens at 11 years old that all of a sudden all of this happened to me in like one summer. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of experience and that has to do uh, surrounding that area, you know, of providing for homeless and alcoholics and, you know, people really down on their luck sort of area. I wonder how long, how far back it goes for people having such, so many the, the misfortune in that area. Like, I wonder how far back that goes. Do well, you know what the land was like before? I do know that in 1912, there was a farm acquired by the county. Mm-hmm. And it was turned into a sanatorium. So from 1912 up to 1958, it was used, it, it, it was called Oswego County Hospital Sanatorium. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they left off the sanatorium. And it was written about in the newspapers as being the county hospital. Okay. And I read, read and found out a lot, a lot of things. If, if, if your husband was in there and passed away, you'd definitely be going to court to fight for his estate to get a penny. Really? Why? Well, because he was in the county hospital and they were taking care of him. And Mm -hmm. that's not cheap, I'm sure, Kat. No, I can't imagine. So, yeah. And in the early days, I read about them complaining about having low number of patients. Complaining of low numbers. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And also I read about soldiers were sent there to convalesce after World War One and World War Two. There were children all the way all the way up. There mm-hmm. there were different age groups. Then 
it, after 1958, it, it was used more for storage. There was one building used for an x-ray clinic. And then also it was used by the Red Cross to store the county's blood supply. In 1969, the building, the farm, it opened up to shelter homeless men. And it, it, it's it's a nonprofit run on donations. So, so it was, again, it went from a sanatorium to a men's shelter. Well, at first there were also families there. It is now a men's shelter, but that's because they didn't have the support of the community. And in 1971, there was a school vote. And they got upset that some of these families had voted when they weren't paying taxes because they weren't true residences. Oh. So that went on for a couple years. And then their, their, their families could come up for the summer, but not with children for school during the school year. That wasn't allowed. So that's when it turned to pretty much just being for for men. Mm -hmm. But they they would still. It's in the states here, Cat. When when you need a safe place, it is two one one that you call for social services. So it, it's a two one one facility. Okay, gotcha. And especially for a long, cold winter, that that they give family shelter because they didn't have enough room in in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough room to accommodate people, and they thought maybe it'd be nice to get some of these people out of the city. So that kind of brings me to my, oh, the property is uh, close to 200 acres. And then on the backside of that, 10 years down the road, they acquired another farm on the, and there's sort of a brook that runs between the farm and the acres, which I never knew about that. I, I didn't know they started off being the same. I only found that out through do, doing my research about these experiences and all this negativity that has been brought to the area. And it, it just, if you're not in a good mental headspace, I don't know how strong you would be to move on. It might be very easy to get stuck. So when I had gone up this summer, I got reminded of an incident. Uh, my brother and I, we were berry picking. And I, I got horribly scared and frightened 
and I thought I saw something or heard something or felt like somebody's watching me. I didn't feel safe at all. My brother's older than me. So he's the boss. So I'm ready to go. And we were told if we picked enough, we'd get a pie. That was our motivation for the day. Yeah. (laughs) And we had gotten to where we were picking from our backyard. We went, we left the backyard. We went through the woods and you come out. There's brooks, there's groves, there's berry bushes and trees. So we marked our trail, but in my panic, because I, I was scared. I thought there was somebody there that was going to get me. And I just wanted to get home. And I asked my brother, I said, do you feel like there's somebody watching us? I don't know. I guess maybe it feels a little weird or creepy. I'm like, yeah. It is. We need to go. We need to go now. Mm-hmm. So I was super panicked. And it was very, so we were 11 and 12. This is the summer of 79. And they, we couldn't find our trail marker. Our trail marker was gone. So we have no idea how to get which which way to head back to the woods. What did you use for a trail marker? We used a stick mm-hmm. with a cup on it. Mm-hmm. We like stuck the stick in the ground and then left the cup on top of it. Yep. And no sign of the cup. Nope. So I said, we got to just go. We got to go. We got to get out of here. I didn't know where we were. I knew it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And I knew that either I heard something or there might be somebody there, but I'm not looking (laughs) because I don't feel safe. Let's go, brother. So we, we ended up just, just taking off out of the area and we somehow managed to come out on a main road. And now I'm really scared because if somebody sees us and we're not supposed to be hoofing down the road, an 11, 12-year-old, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be out back berry picking. Instead, we're on a main road walking. I couldn't wait to get back home. So when we got back home, I I made a big deal out of it. It was really scary back there. I'm never going berry picking again. I don't care anything about pie. (laughs) And very dramatic, very over the top. So, well, there's a body discovered. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You see, I knew it was dangerous back there. Somebody... Somebody was back there. We would have gotten hurt. So this is what I thought when I was young. Mm-hmm. So then I I asked my stepmom about it. She's like, oh, there was a decomposed body. They couldn't even identify it. It freaked me out. It wasn't a person. Again, 
it, it seems to be something like where I think it's a person and it's not because I don't want to acknowledge anything weird or supernatural or paranormal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just run away. So then I did some research and sure enough, there was an unidentified decomposed body found. I, I got my validation Yeah. from my experiences and I, I guess that's a big lesson too in that gut intuition. If, if you feel like something's not right, it probably isn't right. Yeah. Sounds like you're very so not, sensitive too, like I told you earlier. What's that, cat? It sounds like you're very sensitive too, uh, psychically, like I mentioned to you earlier. Well, it, 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 it growing up. Okay, maybe I, I, I have I have one more big one from up there that might. Th- okay, I was <clears throat> raised Catholic, and my mother helped me from a very young age to try to understand the unexplainable, because mm-hmm. uh, she she knew about that metaphysics and those books that came out in the 70s so she was able to actually help me but i didn't realize really until i like that a haunting of with kim russo and dead files with Mm -hmm. amy allen i love dead files yeah so it wasn't until then that I really ever thought that it was real. I thought weird stuff just happened. And I I guess that if you don't talk about it, then you're not giving it any power or energy, then it doesn't exist if you don't acknowledge it. But that hasn't really served me too well. So that's why also listening to to your show has been very informative and it's given me I've always believed in spirits because I was raised Catholic and I guess I leaned more towards the religious or spiritual side of it mm-hmm. and always went to the Our Father and the Hail Mary whenever I was scared because yeah I got scared a lot you get spooked it's it's my first experience, <clears throat> which all of this is very, very new to me, acknowledging that these things even happened. And so this started when I was four. I had a nightly, not nightly, but it happened at night and it happened on more than one occasion in more than one location. I had these visitations from an old hag who she'd wake me up from the foot of my bed and 
scare me by telling me that she was putting a poison frog by my foot and you can't move or it's going to bite you. So I was more freaked out by her, but okay, you put something by my bed. And then she continues to sort of move fast. Now how they do it in the movies where there's something that as it's moving, it moves about three feet at a time. So like in two seconds, they're where they need to be. Okay. It's not walking. Mm -hmm. It's gliding really fast or just appearing, going from one to another. Mm -hmm. So from the foot of my bed to the side of my bed to sitting down beside me to getting in my face to making me see some black, just dark eyes and not being able to move or to breathe and I would just make myself turn my head and yell out and my mom would come in and she would take the blankets off, show me nothing's there, go around the room and then say prayers and try to settle me back in. And this went on. She just always did the same thing. Whenever I called for her, she just come in the room and, I know, you call it a sweep through. A sweep? Is that what you call it? A sweep through? No. When you go through a room, clear oh, through? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That mom would do. Oh, boy, I hear sirens coming. Oh, yeah. I hear there they are. I'm on a main road. Yeah. Oh, I can see stop, it. There's a stop. window behind you, right? There is. Yeah, I thought I saw the siren, like uh, lights flashing. Yeah, sorry okay. about that. It's okay. But I guess because of my hag witch, and it happened for... I added the witch on just now because I did an internet search mm -hmm. for it. Here comes another one. I hope everything's all right. Yeah. So I did an internet search and there's actual images. Somebody has created what I saw. So that means somebody else saw what I saw. Yep. And I read that this hag has been seen for thousands of years. How and then, oh, so now it's called sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. And it's some neurological phenomenon that supposedly happens. So I don't know how we can all be seeing the same thing. And at four years old, I certainly never saw anything that looked like that. Yeah. So that went on until I learned to read, made my first communion, my mother gave me the prayer book. She also taught me how to lucid dream, which is to recognize I'm in a dream. I control this. I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. And 
she had me play. Well, first she had me tell her what was happening because I didn't for a while. I, I didn't want to describe or talk about what was happening. I just told her about, I thought there was a frog at the foot of my bed. I, I didn't tell her right away. It wasn't until she asked me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until very recently that I even spoke out loud about the hag that used to visit me and scare me. Mm-hmm. But the only way I got rid of her was through lucid dreaming and prayer. And then once my mother had me run through while I was in a wide awake state, not in bed, mm-hmm. she had me, what are you going to do when this happens, Christy? What are you going to do? And I had my plan. I had I had my prayer book. And I was also going to go for her eyes because I, I told my mom about how those eyes were so scary. They want to almost take you away. Mm-hmm. Those eyes want you to get lost and, and give up all control over to them. That's the feeling. And that is really what started off my sort of experiences. Very, very young. And I'm pretty lucky that I had a mom that knew to turn to religion. It sounds like maybe your mother, if she didn't experience that as a young girl, that she knew somebody else in the family who did, and she and she recognized that. And back then, you didn't talk about things like that. You never talked about things like that. Never. It's it's hard now to talk about things like that because you don't want to offend anybody. Or also, I think when you're sensitive, that if you're not careful of what you say, and if something comes in your mind and you say it, you can also startle a person because how are you supposed to know that? Mm-hmm. So I did that a lot. And she she would ask me about that. That's really the uh, the only thing that my my husband will admit to that I will know things with. How do you know that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just pops in my head. But St. Anthony is is absolute wonderful saint to send me visuals when I lose something I get very clear pictures if I pray so intention I think instincts and intent we're starting to get some interference here Christy yep yeah but I, I, <laughs> it's, it's funny I wanted to share, but then I realized I had to share a little bit more. That's fine. There, I thought I was going to share. And you told me the because, first time we spoke to how nervous you were. You did great. I, I was very nervous about sharing, but I, 
went out today and got St. Benedict. And I'm wearing him. And I realized I didn't have a crucifix hanging in my house. And I see one back there. You sure do. Yeah. <laughs> you sure do. So I had, uh, you know, I've always been spiritual. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of have left the church I had gone through a divorce in 2007, so I think I'm almost ready to, I think I need to get that annulment so I can head back to church because I might need a little more help than just counting on my spiritual side because I haven't fared very well physically. So... Sounds like I, you're I, to get I'm learning a lot, Kat. That's good. Sounds like you're getting everything in order. Got to start somewhere. That's true. Well, I think we're going to have to cut her here because uh, there's interference and uh, I don't want to lose anything So, like we did last time. So I Yeah. And if anything doesn't sound good, cut it out. Please, please edit me if I don't (laughs) sound well. (laughs) Well, Christy, I want to thank you so much for being brave and um, reaching out to me and telling us about all these experiences. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, Pat. I love your platform and your community is very non-judgmental and supportive and very brave. Thank you. You're very welcome. Just hold on tight here for a second and we'll chat for a couple of minutes. But uh, again, thank you. And uh, to all my listeners, much love to you as always. And be kind to yourselves as well as everyone else. Thanks so much. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants.